Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sip Conscious, a podcast made by two friends over two drinks, attempting to drown out the encroaching thoughts of meaningless existence with chats about quaint little hobbies. My name is Joseph. And I'm Colin. Uh, we're two longtime friends currently living on opposite ends of the world, sharing our catch ups in the most millennial way possible. A podcast as I say every episode. <laughs> it's a bit meta, though, to say it's a podcast on a podcast. But, you know, I digress, not knowing what that even means. But <laughs> I always get... Do you, do you say that? Like, I digress? Um, I don't know. I, I think I do. Like, I, I need someone to catch me out on it. Right. I feel like people... Do people just, like... Does it mean, like... But anyways, back to the topic... I feel like that's yeah. kind of what it 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 use it it gets used for, you know. Yeah, it's just like a long winding topic that kind of sways away from the original thought. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, this week, what drink do you have, Joseph? Will it be boiled water? <laughs> yes, again. No, it won't be. I'm having some nice red tea. I have. Oh, red tea. I just said red tea again. Um, we were talking about this last episode, or yeah. what? like one of the last episodes. Black tea, yep. which in Chinese, the literal translation is red tea, but I'm having black tea. <laughs> uh, what's the review on it? It's good. I've been having this like for like the past week or so to kind of like wean off the caffeine. Oh, okay. Because um, like out of all the teas, I think it has the lowest caffeine content. Um, and like teas, it tastes, tastes quite nice. Cause you know, it's got like the kind of roasted flavor of like black tea. So it's uh, not as like, it's not as plain. And like, I can kind of drink it in like mugs, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. it's not like Kung Fu tea or whatever, where it's just like, oh, like I can only enjoy it in a small cup and small sips. And it has to be like right there at the table with like boiled water, like instantly and everything. This is just like, I'll just make an, an entire pot and then like Neck slowly it. enjoy it <laughs> yeah <laughs> pretty much well, nice How, I, what about I, you i'm i'm i mean i'm going a bit uh what do you call it adventurous this week Ooh. you know craft beers nah it's not even on the same level <laughs> <laughs> this week i'm having a can of coke <laughs> oh wow <laughs> Very adventurous. No, it was literally the like the first thing I saw in the fridge, and I wasn't mm. exactly prepped for this episode in the beverage department. But um, yeah, it's you know it's a, it's good. You know whatever people say about it. I mean I like it. It's not like I drink a lot of it though. I don't mm. know. It seems very. I don't know. Okay, T- to me like Coke and Sprite and Fanta. It seems either very childish, not in a bad way. Or you have it with, like, a burger, you know? Mm. It seems very occasional. I feel that's the word, yeah. Yeah. At least for me, I don't just, like, grab Sprite or something. That's that's kind of interesting because I, I can empathize with you right now. But mm. back in, like, high school, like, man, I was just, like, chugging that stuff, like, every day. Like, <laughs> it was, like, an addiction. And it's like, you know, sugar is addictive and yeah, and it's definitely like what it's kind of made to be. But like, yeah, now it's definitely very occasional. Like it seems like 
a very good pairing for like burger and fries or whatever and so like yeah you know, have it on occasion like it'll be weird to have i don't know coffee or kombucha <laughs> with burger and fries you know yeah. oh. like i'd find it weird to pair like wine with a burger <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> you know it just seems oh it sounds bad but it seems like wine is more you know suited for more high class or proper occasions and whatnot i don't know which kind of actually brings me to this next point where it's like if i was to just like grab a soft drink i feel like i i have to grab like root beer or ginger ale or something at least to not oh, just to, <laughs> to not more, feel more novel yeah to not feel like i'm 14. <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting because actually, I don't have that association with like. I am. Like I think the same kind of associate association that I'd have is like for Slurpees. Oh, actually. <laughs> yeah, like that would definitely be like. Oh yeah, like that's, that's like middle school central. That's like. Yeah. Are you five? Or... <laughs> Dude, do you play Minecraft? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my topic this week is quite topical. Oh. Um, not about current events, but about my own life. Um, um. Like, so recently I finished exams and Yay. to kind of de-stress, decided to play some backyard badminton with the mum. And right now in Australia here, it's winter. Um, it's very cold. Um, didn't do any warm up. Just excited to like get some movement in, mm -hmm. and I managed to sprain my shoulder. <laughs> oh no! Um, and at first it was like, oh, I just tweaked it, right? Like, yeah, I've sprained my shoulder before, or like I've tweaked my shoulder before. Like, it's just that, like, I can just like shake it off. Mm -hmm. Made the mistake of playing like, like a few more rallies, and then like uh -huh. it just the pain just got worse and oh god yeah it was rough and then i realized that you know oh this isn't like just a tweak it's like an actual sprain um it was really weird because your shoulder you don't realize this until you hurt it but your shoulder is like part of a lot of movement that you do every day so mm -hmm. so i sprained my right shoulder and because i'm like right-handed like i do everything with my right hand and just like moving it around like was like causing it to like sting and hurt and then this morning I woke up and it was just super painful and enough that I had to take like a painkiller for it, right? Yeah. So I was just like, hmm, I'm taking this painkiller. But like what what does it actually do? Um Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah, like I was just like, you know, I'm I study science, but like I still have no idea like what I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll take a Panadol. Like, but well, what does it do, right? Like, um, oh yeah, okay, okay. Like, how does Hit it actually like? How does it actually like soothe the pain and stuff? So okay, so back to basics. What is pain? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, no convoluted like explanation or anything. Like pain, everyone knows what pain is. At least almost everyone knows what pain is, right? Um, mm -hmm. Just a severely unpleasant sensation and usually is associated with like damage to yourself. So if you like 
the you know classic example you put your hand over a flame or like you cut yourself with paper or other sharp objects right um yeah. but like the reason um why like okay so there's a certain nerve ending that sends the signal from wherever you hurt yourself to your brain that says like hey it's dangerous like remove whatever was there from the source yeah. of danger and that's kind mm -hmm. of the point of pain right you just don't want to get yeah. even more hurt yeah but also you don't want it to like just randomly trigger and just like oh i bumped into like a pole and then like writhing in like pain just because i bumped into it right um so yeah. there's like certain thresholds that have to be like met to like trigger pain yes yeah so those thresholds are there for those specific nerve endings called nociceptors um okay yeah you have different nerves to like send signals to your brain about like touch versus pain like if you kind of lightly tapped a needle like you wouldn't feel pain you would just feel like a poke right i hope so yeah but like if you <laughs> <laughs> but if you but if you stabbed yourself with a needle then you would like feel pain so there's a certain certain yeah. like threshold that has to be like met so like if you put your hand over like something hot like first it'll trigger like nerve endings that sense temperature and then when it gets to a certain temperature that's higher than like tolerable like 40 degrees or something then you start feeling pain which it because mm -hmm. because it triggers the nociceptors um okay but the the threshold can change yeah so like when you cut your hand um the cut the flesh around the cut feels much more painful than anywhere else on your body yes so if you like poked your wound that hurts a lot and so there's a lot of like chemicals involved that like lowers the threshold for those nociceptors to fire like pain signals to your brain and the reason that that happens is because you know you just don't want to like mess with a wound even more so you're just inclined to be more careful when it hurts more right yeah but sometimes obviously we have like pain that just is quote-unquote useless um because okay. you know we definitely know like for example if i sprain my shoulder um, I definitely know that I sprained my shoulder because I felt I feel a lot of pain. Yes. Um, and I know that it's painful to move a certain direction, so I shouldn't move that way. But if I'm not moving and it just hurts, even though I'm not putting it in any danger, then like, you know, I don't want to experience that unpleasant feeling. Right. Um, and so that's usually when like, you know, you take a light painkiller or like you, um, you just don't want those signals to be as strong kind of i guess that's kind of the reason that people take painkillers right um yeah <laughs> so the the way that you reduce like the sensation of pain with painkillers um so one of like one class of painkillers they're called non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs um so from the name they're not steroids um <laughs> which is <laughs> which is a <laughs> uh, which is a class of painkillers, which is why like they're like these ones are not those, and they're um, anti-inflammatory because they stop inflammation. Yes, and the most commonly used ones are aspirin and ibuprofen, um, mm -hmm. and these are like over the counter, and you can find them pretty common like everywhere. Um, yeah, and uh, and the reason like the way that they work is that first you're you're like when you get cut the cells that were there on your skin are damaged right because they just got sliced and what happens is they release 
chemicals that are just like, oh my gosh, I've just been like slayed by a piece of paper. Um, and then like those chemicals are the tuning chemicals that I mentioned um, earlier. Um, so yeah. there's this specific one called arachidonic acid. What a and, name. Yeah. And that's like a precursor. So it's just like, that's not actually the one responsible for like feeling pain and everything. But in your body are enzymes and they're called COX-1 and COX-2. Okay. Um, and just for like interest, like, do you know how enzymes work? No. Um, so <laughs> no clue. You, have, <laughs> you have some idea of like, like, you know, like in chemistry where they draw like those like really big molecules and whatever. Yeah. Basically, like, every chemical, like, every compound has a specific shape to it, right? Yep. And if you think of enzymes as, like, like molds uh-huh. that, like, certain shapes can fit into them. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like that, except once those shapes fit into the molds, they break yeah. them in a specific way. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, arachidonic acid fits into the enzymes either cox1 or 2 and it gets broken and then it forms different compounds um and those compounds are called prostaglandins um but there's the, so many terms <laughs> but, I, I didn't know i didn't bring a notepad next time <laughs> <laughs> um the names isn't actually that important but prostaglandins okay. are basically like signals that that set off like responses like swelling or like um, increasing body temperature, like fevers, um, or mm. like lowering the pain threshold of those nerve endings. So it makes it more yeah. sensitive and more painful. Mm -hmm. um, so what non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs <laughs> do <laughs> is they fit into those enzymes. Okay. Um, but they break off and just stay in there. If your mold already has something in it, your like actual target can't fit into it right mm -hmm. so basically the way that aspirin and ibuprofen works is that it just sticks itself into cox one or two and prevents arachidonic acid from being turned into those signals that cause a lot of pain and swelling so that's one class and then the second class is non-anti-inflammatory so inflammatory. No, because it doesn't cause inflammation. It just doesn't prevent inflammation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's your um, that's your drug like paracetamol, and you might know it as like Panadol. Um, uh -huh. And the thing about this class is that it's actually not known how they stop pain. <laughs> what? Um, they just do. <laughs> And the closest guess so far is that they interact with those tuning chemicals, those prostaglandins afterwards so that they don't set off like the effects like swelling and fevers and lowering pain and all of that. But we don't know the specific mechanism um, and they don't reduce inflammation. So I learned that I took paracetamol for the wrong use because... A sprain causes inflammation, and that's why it hurts. And I just took something that doesn't do anything for inflammation. <laughs> um, did it help, though, placebo-wise? Um, it did help because after I took it, I went back to bed because I woke up at, like, 5 a.m. because of because it hurt. Um, ah. And then I managed to go back to sleep. Um, but, you know, there could be a plethora mm. of reasons of why I felt less pain. 
Um, right. But yeah, and and the last class of drugs is your opioid drugs, which are like steroids. Yep. Um, and the way that they bl- that they prevent pain um, is that they don't actually interact with any of those enzymes or like signals and whatnot. They just cut off signals of pain from ever reaching your brain, basically. Oh wow, that's brute force. Um, yeah, it pretty much is brute force. And in addition to that, it amplifies parts of your brain that feel like soothing and like, uh. like um, I don't know if it's dopamine specifically, but I feel like that's the one that everyone associates with like feelings of nice stuff. But um, that's why it's also addictive because it stops your sensation. It just numbs your sensation of pain and it increases mm-hmm. your sensation of like reward and good feeling and like that's that's bad <laughs> because it's addictive um yeah and that's all i learned ah so not gonna lie kind of forgot all the names other than cox one and two because <laughs> obvious reasons <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so panadol is not anti-inflammatory inflammatory and i should take ibuprofen and the other one instead or aspirin if it's or like, aspirin, yes. Yeah, if you're like trying to reduce swelling and like inflammation. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, because um, I always knew they were both painkillers. Yeah. But I just kind of like used them as equivalent, which is probably a bad idea. Um, but, as long as you keep with the dosage that's recommended, like yeah, things I'm are not fine. like eating it for breakfast. You yeah, know? <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah. and oh, interesting. Um little factoid about aspirin like it's had a long history in human like medicinal uses Um, oh yeah because uh (laughs) the funny oh yeah um but yeah like people used to chew like willow bark in the olden days so like it's like in with willow tree yeah from the willow tree um because that's it has naturally occurring um aspirin yeah, the compound that makes up aspirin. It's like salicylic acid. Um, oh, wow. And so, like, that's, like, how aspirin was discovered. Um, and then, yeah, it's just had a long history of being used as pain medication. Oh, wow. So there you go. But, I don't, oh, yeah, I wouldn't recommend anyone just, like, eating a tree anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's a broccoli, because we love broccoli. And it's nice and tasty. Yes. You can probably cut that out, because that sounded cringe AF. Now, I actually don't remember if I've talked about anything science-related. I, I don't know if it's really science, though. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's science because it's biology. This week, I came across a video of a bunch of scallops. Or Ooh. as Ramsey, Gord, uh, the great Gordon Ramsay would say, scallops. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I saw a video of a bunch of scallops um, swimming, which I was kind of, I don't know why. It was such a mind-blowing experience for me. But I've never seen them swim. So I, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, you, I, didn't even knew, I didn't even know Scallop swam. But that got me investigating um, on just a bit more facts and, like, just to get to know great seafood oh. slash a- an animal. So it's just really going to be a bunch of facts that I'm going to throw at you about scallops this week. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> We'll start with some fast facts, you know. The scientific name is called 
pectinidae. Ooh. It is part of... <laughs> I don't know, this is kind of obvious, but like it says basic animal group invertebrate. I would assume it doesn't have a, have a spine. <laughs> uh, but here's the interesting part. Did you know it could live up to 20 years? Wow, I didn't know. I didn't have any clue of what the lifespan of a scallop was. <laughs> yeah, up to 20 years. I thought, I don't know why in my brain I just thought it would be like a th- few years. But if you think about it, to be honest, like oysters live up to be like some somewhere around the same, I think. I mean, I didn't know that either, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's also an omnivore. Oh. Yeah. I don't know why, but like, again, wouldn't think that it ate other animals. Yeah, I thought it would just breathe water. (laughs) Yeah, and like, you know, vitamins or like sunlight. Okay, I know it's all a plant. But (laughs) 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 so, but I don't know, you know the assumptions you have, but um, you know what mo and also what most people recognize as a scallop is actually just the creature's abductor muscle, which it uses to open and close its shell to Mm. propel itself through the water. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, they're part of the they're part of a group of animal uh, called. Phylum Phylum mollusca Mollusca Basically part It's same family as snails, sea slugs Octopuses Apparently Clams, mussels and squid Yeah and very very cool Is that scallops can have up to 200 eyes That line their mantle And I think mantle is like You know the scallop shell is like a fan You know Hmm so like the outermost circumference. There are so eyes to, on those? <laughs> yeah. 200 or up to 200. So there might be <laughs> a scalp with like one eye and another one is just with 200. That is mildly disturbing. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> another basic fact. They're found in saltwater environments. Makes sense. Um, but apparently uh, a lot of them like to be in shallow places. So... But I also don't know what shallow means when you, you know, scale it up to an ocean. That's true. But, you know, yeah, because I was like, oh, shallow. So, like, you know, near beaches. But you don't really see that many scallops on beaches compared to, like, the other types of shells, like clams. You know, you just don't. I, I don't see a lot of <laughs> scallops <laughs> on beaches. <laughs> but anyway, back to their diet. Um, scabs eat by filtering small organisms such as krills, algae or algae, and larvae from the water that they in- that um uh, just you know around where they live, oh. and, um, and the way they eat is even more disturbing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so as the water enters the scallop, apparently mucus traps the plankton or whatever the organism is in the water. In the scallop. <laughs> and yep. then a thing called the cilia, which is um, a hair-like vibrating structure that is part of the body of the scallop or whatever animal. Yep. Um, and so that, and then that moves it further into its mouth. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's just the way it eats. Um, it, <laughs> it, it excretes mucus to trap it and then 
has these tentacle things to shove it into its mouth. Did you know that that's like the same process of how we expel mucus when we're sick? <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, like it's just in reverse. So we make, we secrete mucus and then we have cilia on our respiratory lining that moves mucus upwards and then we explode. Oh <laughs> my lord. <laughs> what? Actually, if you th oh my god. Yeah. Actually, if yeah. you think about it, if you take mucus as like oh, saliva and then the cilia is just our hands, that's also how we eat technically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess you could make that <laughs> comparison. Yeah. Well, I guess my whole claim is uh, I retract that statement. <laughs> no, I, like that was, it's interesting because it's like the opposite way. I mean, I don't want to really visualize the finger-like projections <laughs> scooping it into the scallop. I don't actually, I can't actually visualize where <laughs> the krill yeah. and plankton are going. <laughs> yeah, because I think, I mean, like I can send you the website, you can look some photos and let's just say the scallops that we see at like seafood markets or wherever. Yeah. Um, they've been cleaned thoroughly. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. I, at least that's my impression. It just seems like there's a lot more stuff on the outside and inside mm. than just that little, you know, abductor muscle. Yeah. And some, you know, lining stuff. But anyways, um, a few more facts coming your way. Unlike other, you know, types of shells that are in that family, like mussels and clams and oysters. You know, <laughs> oh, quite obviously, scallops <laughs> are free swimming because I saw a video <laughs> of it oh, swimming. swimming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I structured this, <laughs> um, this whole, you know, my section this way. Um, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, they basically swim by clapping the two, you know, the two shells together. So they, they're like butterflies. <laughs> yeah. And forcing a jet of water. So I guess it's like a mini jet propulsions. Yeah. And, you know, uh, as I'm coming up to the last section of this scallop um, narrative that I'm giving, <laughs> we're going to talk about reproduction. Fun. Always mm. a great topic. Many scallops are actually hermaphrodites. Mm. Yeah. But some scallops can also be only male. Or only female. Yep. So, yeah. I just thought that was kind of different because, um... I don't know. You would expect some consistency in the same animal. But... <laughs> <laughs> but I guess not. And I... My, my limited bio, biology <laughs> knowledge is like... You know, revealing itself. Because I'm just kind of mi getting mind blown by these, like, minor facts. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Scallops also reproduce by spawning. Um, do you know, happen to know what spawning is? I actually do not. <laughs> okay. So this is when organisms release eggs and sperm into the water. And then, yeah, that, that's kind of it. So they just hope, hope that they touch. <laughs> yeah, they just hope that, you know, the egg will get fertilized. <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I would assume there is some sort of st strategy or like, you know, mm. I actually don't. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I won't visualize, you know, a bunch of 
scallops just like <laughs> spawning in a very precise location. But um, but maybe that is how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but once the egg is fertilized, the young sca- scallop is actually it doesn't feel like a real word anymore. <laughs> um, the young scallop um is in is I don't know if it's a state. It's plank plank planktonic like plankton state so it just kind of floats around before it settles down uh settles on the sea floor mm. yeah and when it settles to the sea floor it attaches itself um to an object using this thing called um bisol threads uh, which are silky fibers that are made from protein that are used by mussels and other you know shellfish to s- attach itself to rocks and you know objects and whatnot Ooh. yeah and once they get uh nice and big and grown up they lose that bisol thread and then they become free swimming unlike oysters <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah that's all for me this week hope your appreciation of uh scallops has you know reached new heights yes i am um I'll never get the mental image of scallops spawning out of my head ever again. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back with, uh, (laughs) 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 I don't want to say, I'm going to do this again. (laughs) Sure. Now it's for my favorite time. That's also terrible. Oh my Christ. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a weak word. I can hardly keep this yeah. all in. <laughs> so uh, it's fact time. <laughs> yes, it's fact time. <laughs> Boy, I messed up that intro so many times. <laughs> this week slash episode, Joseph hit me with it. All right. So um, do you remember back in way back when we were in year eight and we shared a water bottle (laughs) what um like i just gave you my water bottle because you wanted some water (laughs) right like (laughs) oh okay yeah yeah Yeah. it's a fun fact no i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) that's it (laughs) that's all folks thanks see you next time (laughs) um we had a english teacher and she warned us of the dangers of sharing a water bottle. Ah, oh, yes. Because you would get in in the way that she said it, meningitis. <laughs> <laughs> meningitis. Um, yes. Which I assumed was a disease, and I'm pretty sure you assumed was a disease as well. Um, yeah. And I finally learnt what it actually is. What is it? So meningitis is inflammation in your brain area. Oh, wow. That's freaky. Because there's a like connective tissue layer surrounding your brain called mm-hmm. the meninges. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why this sounds really funny. <laughs> but, yeah, like, that gets inflamed, and then they named it meningitis. <laughs> Does that have anything to do with saliva then <laughs> wait what no <laughs> why 
No, because like of sharing of the water bottle, right? Because I think I thought like the whole reasoning behind why she thought it was bad is because like. Oh, oh. Um, I didn't go to. I just thought it was interesting that the name was like. Oh, it's literally inflammation of the of the meninges. Um. Oh. But <laughs> okay. but but uh, uh. But I assume. I don't know. I I haven't fact checked this, but I assume that whatever antigen causes the infection can be transmitted via spit saliva. Yeah. Uh. Anyways. Th thanks for, thanks for tuning in <laughs> to Sip Conscious this week. Um, it's been, it's been fun. We learned about what was what what, what oh, sorry what pain <laughs> painkillers, why, <laughs> the sex organs of a scallop, and now, apparently there's a part of my body called, what was it meninges? The meninges. <laughs> meninges. <laughs>